Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. In this room, we have all different types of people, all different types of backgrounds. And everyone's year has been just a little bit different. But here's the question. What do you do when the most wonderful time of year is not so wonderful? You finally get some vacation time, and you, and you slow down a little bit. But what happens when you, when you slow down, all of those things, your busyness was trying to help you avoid all year comes rushing in your mind. What do you do that time of year when everybody's with their family, but your kids don't even call? What do you do when you say, well, I'm going to do what Pastor said, and I'm Bishop said, I'm going to count my blessings, but after you count your blessings, you then start counting your regrets. Your regrets break the scale. What do you do a couple days into this thing and quieting down and you're trying to sleep? You feel your room haunted by regrets. You hear the, the, the wind howling and booze coming through the windows. Could have, should have, would have. You could have, you should have, you would have if. Could have, should have, would have if. Could have, should have, would have if. Could have, should have, would have if. You're haunted. regret and things that didn't go the way you should and what do you do in a season in a moment like that I'm so glad you asked (laughs) because there's something the Bible wants you to know Romans 8 and 28 yeah And we, they might not know. Everybody might not have that hope. But we know. Here's the thing. To make it through seasons and moments like this, you need not just heard. You need to know. My Bible says in Daniel 11 and verse 32, he said this. He said, the people that know their God shall be strong. Not people hoping and guessing and and maybe he's like, but people who know their God shall be strong. And they shall do exploits. I like the way the ESV says it says this. The people who know their God shall stand firm, meaning we can be secure despite insecurity. We could be stable despite instability. We can stand when everybody else folds and quits. It says the people that know their God shall stand firm and take action. You know, words only tell people you know, 
what we want them to think we are, but actions reveal who we really are. And here's the, the math I, I've done in my head at different times in my life, and you might need to do this in, in this season. You already feel the pain. It already hurts. So you might as well get a reward for it. Don't quit. I mean, you, you've been pushing around that track and, and your arms are pounding and you work so hard to get to the place you are. Don't quit when you get around that final curve. Keep on pressing. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, the prophet speaks to us across the centuries. And he poses a rhetorical question, but, you know, to say it's rhetorical, I don't know really if it really, really speaks to it, because I really think he's kind of, he wants us to answer this question. He says this, have you not known? The prophet's like, what, what, what's up? Haven't you taken hold of this yet? Haven't you acknowledged this yet? Folks, y'all need to recognize this is what the prophet said. Yeah. Isaiah sent me that meme this morning. He said, have you not heard? Has your pastor told you? Maybe your mama told you? Someone ought to told you this. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor does he get weary. God never needs a nap. He never needs a few moments to catch his breath. His grace is immeasurable. His, his peace inexpressible and his mercy inexhaustible. This is the God we serve. And Isaiah goes on, he says, in his understanding, is absolutely unsearchable, inscrutable, limitless, doubtless, ceaseless, faultless, and relentless. It says, he, this God, who never gets tired, never gets weary, gives power to the weak. Does anybody in this room have some weaknesses? Does anybody in this room qualify? He gives power, not to the folks that think they got it all together, but to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. It's important. I always quote Isaiah 55 and I talk about no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but here's the deal. God doesn't promise that no weapon will be formed. Did you catch that? He didn't say they won't come at you. He didn't say that they won't come against you. He didn't say there won't be problems. He just said that they won't prosper. So folks are going to come at you. Life's going to come at you, but it will not succeed in the taking you of down. Don't know how well I said it, but I think you understood it. And then he goes on, he says, you know, I, I, I've been around for a while and even the youths, the youths, 
shall faint. Even young people will get tired. And young men shall utterly fail. So just because you're, you're young doesn't necessarily mean you're going through less. You know, if you're young or you're old or medium like me, We will all face the I can't take it anymore moments in life. But here's the answer. But those who wait, those who don't panic, those who don't run, those who recognize where the help comes from, those who wait on the Lord, those who are willing to give God a little time each Sunday, folks who are still paying attention Monday through Saturday, those who wait on the Lord, only this group, not everybody, a thousand at my left hand, 10,000 at my right, yep. Not everybody, but, but this special group that keeps standing at attention, saying, Lord, I know you're coming. Lord, 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 Lord I, I know you paid for this on Calvary, and it's just a matter of time before you, but before you manifest and fix this situation that I'm in. He said, those that wait on, on, on horses, no. Those that wait on, on, on the government, no. Those, those that wait on the Lord. Those that wait on mom and them, that, those, those that wait on, you know, everybody. At the, no, those that wait on the Lord. See, the reason you're so tired, you're putting your, your trust and your faith, you're waiting on the wrong thing, you're waiting on people, you're waiting on stuff, you're waiting on events, you're waiting on happenings. That's why you're frustrated. But those who wait on the Lord who never changes, who will never turn his back on you, a God that loves you in spite of you. But those who wait on Yahweh the Lord shall renew their strength. He's promising if you just keep on running, you will catch that second wind. And then he said they, he's talking about this select group, not everybody, but those that wait upon the Lord, you and I, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. You've all heard me talk about this. An eagle looks forward to a storm because when the wind starts blowing, he just locks his wings into a certain angle. And that wind that's blowing and knocking everybody else down, he uses to swoop him up. Before long, he finds himself looking down on the storm. And the point is, opposing winds only causes, causes the, the, the kite to fly higher. You know, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from small minds. So if you're going to stand up, you are going to stick out. And mediocre people aren't going to be happy about it. But you need to do what you do and wait on the Lord. God got you and he will see you through. He didn't say everybody, but he said, we shall run and not be weary. 
And what God is saying is he wants us to get so busy running with him, we forget about everybody else. He said, they shall, we shall, it's us, shall walk and not faint. When you're facing the right direction, all God wants you to do is keep going. Back to Romans 8 and 28. There's some things God wants you to know as you face this season. And we know. Didn't just have it preached to us. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's not just a post-it on my wall. It's not just a reflection that the Apostle Paul had a couple thousand years ago. This is something I know, something that's deep down in my roots, something that, man, it's a part of me. And we know that for those who love God, does anybody in this room still love him? Does anybody in this room still love the Lord? Well, if it does, this applies to you. And we know that for those who love him, something, no, the good things, no, when things worked out the way you want it, no, all things work together for good. Now, this is important. Scripture does not teach us all things are good, but it does teach for those who love him. God will make even the bad work for your good. God uses our greatest pain as the greatest launching path for our greatest calling. I remember I was going through and the Lord spoke to me. And I was getting down on myself because you know what? I was feeling all messed up on the inside. But I felt the Lord's compassion just reach out to me. He was like, you know, you're allowed to scream. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to, to, to feel doubts. You're, you're allowed to feel afraid. But boy, you're not allowed to quit. And you're allowed to feel some things, but you are not permitted to give up on the God that would not give up on you. So you're going to have to lift your head, keep walking, keep talking, keep moving toward the goal for the prize that God in Christ Jesus has called each of us to. He said all things work together, meaning God knows how to mix it all up. Stuff you thought was certain defeat, stuff you thought was going to take you out, stuff you thought there were things that I thought I'd never get past in my life. But even those things were part of God's all. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, when you make a good soup, you just mix all these ingredients. And, you know, split peas by themselves aren't so good, but when you put some ham and put some water. My mom used to make some split pea soup. And you put all the ingredients, the salt and whatever else she did into the pot. All things work together for good. And you might have an ingredient that's bitter by itself. 
But when you get it to the ultimate chef, you hear what I'm saying? He knows how to mix that thing up, stir the pot, and give you some of the best tasting stuff. You're like, God, how did you do it? He's like, that's just what I do. He said, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Meaning things are not always going to go according to your personal plan, but everything will work out for his purposes. I want you to think about Joseph. Remember Joseph from the Bible? Yeah. Sold into slavery by his brothers. How many of y'all know that's wrong? That's wrong. Then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and sent to prison. How many of y'all know that's wrong? And then in jail, he was forgotten by the very people that promised to help him. How many know that's wrong? But he was still promoted to, to be the number two right next to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, a land that wasn't even his own land. How many of y'all know that's right? Yeah. You see, wrong might win the sprint, but right always wins the marathon. So that's why you got to hold on and hang in there through moments such as, as these. Romans 8 and 26. What I want to do is give you a little context to the verse we just spent a little time on. And then we're going to wrap up for the morning. Paul's talking about some things by the Holy Spirit. He says this. We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together, even until now. Now, this imagery of groaning was taken from uh, uh, Exodus 2 and 23, where the children of Israel were, were groaning and crying out under Pharaoh's uh, oppression and bondage. And he's saying, you know, just like the children of Israel found themselves in, in a foreign territory and, and in bondage, he was saying after Adam and Eve rebelled in our golden age and in that wonderful period in the garden, and they led us into temporary death and, and the rulership of the devil, God is saying, what Scripture is saying, and God is saying too, that, that there's a groan in humanity because there's an evil dictator. There's, there's this wicked ruler of this present evil age that's operating and maneuvering and causing babies to die and, 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 and old people to die hopeless and helpless and alone. And, and, and this world is, is just, just a cruel, cruel place. And, and inwardly, we're all groaning and travailing. We're saying, that's not right. That shouldn't be. God, how did this happen? God explains it in the Bible, but most of us don't read that book. And, and, and we're groaning, and, and that's true, but, 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 and, and we're travailing. And, so we got the neo-Nazis, and then we got this group, and we got that group, and, and we're all groaning, saying, this ain't right, it shouldn't be. And, and we're, we're somehow the church surprised by all the groaning. The, the earth's supposed to be groaning and travailing, and, and it's supposed to be a mess because we're not supposed to be under this bondage. There's not supposed to be this level of death, sin, and destruction. The earth, you and I were not made for this form of oppression. We were not designed for this. 
This happened because Adam and Eve messed up and fell, and thank God there's coming a day. He's coming back, and he's going to straighten this thing out. But until then, we're groaning on the inside, saying, God, this ain't right. God, I don't like this. Why am I body growing old? Why am I sick? Why am I dealing with this? Why do I feel confused, God? What's going on? There's a groaning in the earth. And it's been going on for some time. They said, not only that, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, the first fruit, if you're probably not familiar with Palestine, but they had two major harvests. And the early harvest was called the first fruit harvest. And what it was, was the first installment of the latter, the final, and the much bigger harvest. Now, if we're the first fruits or have the first fruits of the Spirit, this means what we have from God today is only the beginning and not the full package. You get it? There's something greater on the way. He said, even we ourselves, he's saying, you know, though I'm a believer, though I love Jesus inwardly, the stuff in me saying, this ain't right, this shouldn't be happening, I, I, I'm out of place, and, and, and I'm, I'm still not yet everything I could be. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. And he calls the adoption here the redemption of our bodies. It's coming today, this body won't grow old no more. It's coming today, this body won't trouble me ever again. You see, right now, we live in the tension of the already and not yet. I mean, he, 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 he has reached in and saved my spirit, made my spirit perfect like his. But, but my body's still decaying and dealing with stuff. Sometimes our minds are still tripping. But the purpose of the cross was to reverse this curse. Jesus came to give us new life in this world. But also ultimately to make us forever young again. Adam and Eve in that garden, they didn't worry about death. They didn't lock their doors. They, 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 they weren't worried about whether their kids would hurt each other or whether their kids would be hurt when they go out of the house. They, they weren't worried about the school system. None of those concerns were on their mind. They were forever young, forever in the presence of God, just living, being, and, and it was an awesome reality. And when we step out of these bodies, the Bible says to be absent, uh, from our bodies to be present with the Lord. Our spirits will go on to glory. We, we, our spirits will go on to heaven. But the Bible talks about a day. We, we were not created to be without our bodies. God didn't make a mistake when he gave Adam and Eve a body. So God wants to make all things right. So just like when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they said he walked through a wall but then in a couple of verses, we see him eating some fish. He wasn't just a spirit. He had a resurrected body. And the hope of our faith 
is not just that we're saved on the inside, which is awesome, but there's coming a day where there will be a resurrection. And this corruption will take on incorruption and I shall be changed. And just like Jesus, when, when they watched him at the Mount of Olives and he went up into the heavens, the Bible said they watched him as he ascended. There's going to be a day that in this body, I'm too going to be able to fly through the air. That just as Jesus says, I shall be also and, 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 and I shall be like him and, and I won't be limited by this flesh telling me no when my heart says yes. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.